I'm Luis Lizarazzo, and this is Shedding Light Within Entertainment. Each episode, we'll discuss the humans behind the entertainment industry and explore the issues and topics that are impacting their lives. Episode of Shedding Light Within Entertainment. I'm going to share conversations with two performers who are highly motivated by activism, advocacy, and education. These conversations today will be with Walterio Alamar and his work to bring education around Puerto Rico and the issues that face its that its inhabitants face. And Tara Nicole Murphy to discuss her interest, background, and all the things that make Tara tick. So let's kick things off right now with my conversation with Gualaterio. It is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Um, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Good, pretty good. How's it going? You know, we're doing all right. We're back in New York. We're hitting the pavement. We're hoping to start, uh, you know, breaking into this uh, industry even more than we already are. Right. Right, right, right. So, uh-huh. um, yeah. So for our, yeah, they're uh, they're just blue light. For our <laughs> listeners, um, do you mind? Do you remember how we met? Because I do. If you don't, but do you mind telling everybody how we started working together? I remember correctly. You reached out to me. You found me. Ola. Ola. Yep. I found you're the first person on the podcast that I found through Ola, but I found. Um, at least three of my performers through Ola. And I have to say, I'm so grateful to Ola. You've been contacted by others because of it, right? I have. I've, well, I've, I've, yeah, through Ola, I've, uh, I had a couple of calls through Ola. And then, of course, you sent me uh, a few things here and there as well. Yeah, of course. And as things start to pick up, I'm going to send you more. Um <laughs> I just want to, for our listeners, explain what Ola is because um, everybody might not know. Um, it's the Hispanic organization. Wait, is it? Let me look up the Hispanic Organization of Latin Actors. Hispanic Organization of Latin Actors. Thank you so much. And um, it's a great organization. People can get involved just by signing up. Um, I was able to find some really amazing talent on there. Um, you are not only a performer. You are an activist. So why don't we talk a little bit about what you've done um, besides perform? Okay. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Um, Well, it kind of, it all began initially. um, One of the reasons I I got into the acting and and so on is um, through, through the politics. Like you said, I am an activist and I am heavily involved in the in the activism when it comes to Puerto Rico and the political status and what is currently happening out there. And um, there was a lot of information that that needed to go out and that the people were very unaware of. So I said, you know, what's the best way to get information out to the general public about what is currently happening in Puerto Rico and what has happened over the last 120 years? And I thought to myself, you know, well, a documentary, a film. You know, it's, it's quick, it's easy, you know, and it's very educational. And based on, you know, how it's shot, how it's done, uh, it, you know, it can be used, you know, um, long term. And, uh, and I think people can agree with it. So I, I ventured into that. You know, I started to do a little homework on, 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 on basically on how to create a documentary. And uh, I wrote it out. 
I found a cameraman and, I, and uh, you know, I, I found people um, that I wanted to be part of the film. You know, I have Nelson Dennis, who was a former state assemblyman, Harvard grad. He's an attorney by trade. He was my, my specialist on the island when it came to the politics and the economy of the island. I reached out to Ana Lopez, who was a college professor at Hostos College. She was basically my historian. So then I just had to go about finding the correct people who can put this information, put it back out, you know, find the right qualified people. So it took me a while. It took me a, uh, maybe three years total to write it, you know, set it up, then go out and, and, and get everybody who can, who was available to actually do the interview. So which was, three years? Oh, wow. This was, let me see. I, I got it done. I finally finished it in about the end of Obama's term. So three years prior to that. Those, so, you know. so 2013 to 2016. Right. I was, okay. I was all behind the scenes writing and, and negotiating with people because I got everybody to do this on a volunteer basis. I didn't, you know, something I, you know, I didn't have a, a budget for it. And, and uh, you know, everybody had to volunteer their time. So it was like, hey, um, you know, are you available this day, this time? Or they would call me and say, listen, I got two hours right now. You want to come over? We can sit down and we can do this. And I had to grab my team shoot over to the, you know, their apartment or their studio or wherever they were. So, you know, it, it's, it, it began with that. And uh, then, I, you know, it, I, it kept on, you know, I kept moving uh, into the, the kind of the acting phase a little bit uh, after that. Right. And so this was before Hurricane Maria, but yes. your, but the film was released in time for Hurricane Maria, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, the film was uh, basically came out right around uh, just before the the hurricane hit the islands, and 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 Oscar Lopez was was also a Puerto Rican political prisoner. He was a, a part of the film. Um, I did it, and the, Obama released him right around that same time. So he was released from prison. The the uh, hurricane hit the island, and, you know, like right after all that. So um, yeah, it was it was a crucial time. Um, but there were so many things that were happening around it, you know, like everybody was was concerned about the hurricane and, and uh, the whole thing with Oscar uh, became a, a bigger issue, you know, as opposed to. So I kind of had to take a little bit of a back seat because now you had a crisis on the island. You know, the lights were out and people were sick and they were dying. And, and so, the you know, I, I kind of had to kind of take a little bit of a back seat to let's say as far as promoting the film to getting it out there to raise awareness because, you know, there were tragedies on the island. Right. But since then, you've had a lot of success. It's been it's been received really well. Yeah, thank God. Um, it's, you know, I've done pretty well with it. I've, I've been in about eight film festivals. I won the Newark Latino Film Festival in 2019. I won for uh, a Best Feature. Um, I've screened it at several institutions like uh, Columbia University in New York, Monmouth University in New Jersey. Uh, I screened it with, in Boston with the Green Party when uh, Jill Stein was running for president at the time. Um, she believed in independence for Puerto Rico and, and, and they actually brought me up. They, they brought me out to, to Boston and I, I got to speak in front of the Green Party and I showed them the film. And, and Jill Stein was there and, and uh, you know, everybody uh, really embraced it. 
And I've gone around to Connecticut and other places, and I'm actually trying to uh, do the same thing in Puerto Rico. You know, I was I was talking with some people out there to try to do the same thing and and show it out there because believe it or not, even though the the film is about the island itself and what has happened on the island, it's the 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 real history of Puerto Rico is really not taught in Puerto Rico. Right. So a lot of people that are on the island, they grew up on the island, or don't know about what's actually happening in their own land. So I was in talks with some people to actually get it out there. But then, you know, we had the pandemic. Right. That follows. It was like one thing after another that it made everything kind of take a back seat. Yeah, 100%. I remember when you were getting inquiries to show, um, to show it in Puerto Rico. I think it's so important. You know what I'm realizing? We've never said the name of the film. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. The, the film is called Colonization is Extinction. Uh, because Puerto Rico is a colony of the United States or mm -hmm. it's property of the United States. It belongs to, but is not a part of the United States. The Commonwealth term is a loosely term that was created by the United Nations. And it's loosely thrown around, but it's really actually property uh, of the United States. And the, 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 the premise behind that, and the title of the film is that the, the island is becoming extinct in the sense where we're, we're losing our culture, we're losing the island itself through gentrification, uh, through these tax incentives that are given to corporations that are operating on the island. So Puerto Rico is, is slowly becoming like one big mall and, and, and within it ourselves, the small businesses are going out of business and there, there's many different things that are happening on the island. Right. And then we're, we, you know, we're, we're very concerned about that. So that's why, um, you know, along with you know, the, the history of the island in the, in the United States, I felt the need to get this picture out there. Yeah, 100%. I think um, the name will really give people an idea of where you're coming from. And I think that when we think about Puerto Rico, when I think about, it, I should say, when I think about Puerto Rico and the rights of Puerto Ricans compared to, um, you know, um, any other state um, or a place where anybody else in, you know, lives in the US, they do seem to often just get the shit end of the stick to be totally you know, blunt. And I think it's really important to draw attention to, um, I love that you just draw attention to the locals and their perspectives and their understanding of their own society and culture and the impact that this will have. You don't even live in Puerto Rico anymore, right? No, yeah. no, no, no. I was there, the, the longest time I was there was for about three months and it was during the storm and I was doing the repair to the power line because I'm a lineman by trade. So I was in Puerto Rico for uh, a total of, of three, almost three months replacing the power lines, repairing the equipment and restoring wow. To, to the community, uh, but, you know, and some people say, well, that's weird because you don't live on the island, right? You, you didn't, you know, you haven't been there, you don't grow up there. Um, so, you know, what is the challenge? You know, why are you so concerned? And th those are my people, you know? Right. Yeah. Although I may be here, um, you know, that's still my island, that's still my homeland, and, and I'm concerned for the, the better of my people. And the, the struggle is here because it's Congress in the United States and the Senate where you, the, the arguments have to be made. They have to be made here in the United States, not in Puerto Rico. 
So uh, the fight is here. This is where the war is. So this is where I need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You're incredible. Well, okay. So you, you touched on a little bit. You're a lineman. You're a father. Mm -hmm. Tell us more mm -hmm. about you and your interest outside of Puerto Rico. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm married, uh, four children. Uh, I have a nonprofit organization that is kind of, uh, that I built it around uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, aside from, you know, the-, the, the uh, oh, being a, What's uh, the name of the nonprofit? It's called Organization for Culture of Hispanic Origins. So it's Ocho for short. Love you it. Know. I love that name. I just needed to hear you say it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's we, we provide cultural, educational and mental health services to the community. And we pretty much uh, are all free of charge. You know, we like to, we we have uh, workshops where uh, we return our people back to our culture. by, And I use the film as an educational tool to sit down and, and, and speak at different places and, and inform people about what has happened and what can be done currently in PR, as well as we provide mental health uh, uh, aid to people. You know, we, we have uh, clinicians who work with us, who, who give people aid, if, in, you know, with PTSD, domestic abuse, things of that nature. And um, this is something that we, you know, we're trying to expand it. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a lineman by trade, but this is this is something that I'm actually trying to grow. I really want I really want this to be the the the, the big thing. I really want Ocha to take off. And we do have a couple of projects in the work um, in the works for Puerto Rico and here. So uh, you know, hopefully, you know, God willing, that'll that'll take off and that'll do well. Um, is there any way for people to get involved? Absolutely, absolutely. I have a website. It's uh, www.ocho.net. If you go to the website, you can see all the work that we've done, all the uh, interviews I've done, you know, in WBAI, in, in, in different uh, radio stations and podcasts. And of course, our email is theocho.net at gmail.com. You can send us, you know, any if if you want to get involved in, in any you know political activities. What if you want to know what you can do to help the island or to you know to, to get involved in 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 mental health issues or anything like that? You could just send us an email. Let us know what you what your availability is, what you can do, and and we'll definitely work together. I have an intern right now uh, from the University of Spain. She's actually operating for us in Puerto Rico, and she's my boots on the ground. Uh, Natalia Alvarez, if you're listening, you know, she's out there and um, she's in the process of taking care of some of our products in, 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 in Puerto Rico. So uh, most of my work is really kind of around the island itself. So I, I'm really just kind of like enveloped in that and I, I'm trying to broaden that as much as possible. Yeah, I love that. And in addition to that, you're also looking to engage in traditional entertainment opportunities as well, TV, film, to get more notoriety, to get yourself out there, to build a base, right? Right, right, exactly. Like uh, I've I've appeared in uh, uh, in Nelson Dennis did a movie called uh, Make America Great Again, <laughs> and I was with uh, with Chichi Rodriguez from Scarface and uh, a couple of other people that, and I, I played a community lead. I kind of played myself in that film. Um, I'm an associate producer on another film called Modern Day Slavery. Now this film is about the uh, school to prison pipeline 
and uh, the director, Edwin Freeman, he's an incredible brother. Uh, he allowed me to come in on the film and, and put this out and, and be a part of it. And uh, we screened it at the uh, uh, Queens uh, Film Festival just before the pandemic. Again, like the pandemic kind of, you know, it kind of, you know, uh, got right in the middle of everything and, and made it difficult for us. But uh, this film is also very important because it talks about the, the black and brown community in the United States and the struggle with the, with the criminal justice system and how it's unfair and how it basically has been developed against the black and brown community. And we have judges, lawyers who are part of the film and, uh, and also inmates, guys who've done you know, 15, 20 years in, in, in prison and, and have discussed what the prison system does to you. You know, I understand, you know, you may have committed a crime, but uh, you, 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 we are, we're, we're more likely to be sentenced to get a heavier sentence right. for a crime, let's say that the, another person of another race commits, you know, we get, you know, they may get a year or two years, we get five or six years in prison mm -hmm. for committing the same crime. And, and it all, it's all broken down on the film and it's actually on Amazon Prime right now as we speak. Oh, great. Okay. Modern day slavery, everybody. Give it a, give it a watch. A few years ago, I read the book, The New Jim Crow, which mm. talks all about, um, you know, the incarceration, the mass incarceration of black and brown people and how it was really developed through the war on drugs and really has its roots all the way back to like the post um, civil war era when they were trying yeah. to just keep, um, minorities as the minority with less power. Um, I think that's incredible that you're working on that. I can't wait to watch it. I have Amazon Prime, so I'm literally gonna watch it later today so that I can help to um, speak about it when I see other people. Okay, so associate- I can, I, can, uh, I can connect you with Edwin as well. So this way, you know, you can, he's, a, he's a, also an actor. Uh, awesome. writer, producer. Yeah, I'd love to meet him. And he was in the movie uh, about uh, um, Biggie Smalls, uh, of Biggie Smalls. He was a rapper back in the 90s, and he played a, a role in it. And he's done several films, so I can connect you with him, and you guys can. Yeah, you know. I, love, I love that. I think uh, right now uh, I'm back in New York, and my main goal is just to meet as many people as possible to help connect you to more people, to help connect um, um producers and directors and casting directors um, to others uh, like you. And so, yeah, I'd love that. Thank you so much. I think right now for me being back in New York, I'm just feeling really excited to see things opening back up um, and to think about where we're gonna be in a year from now. So Variato is gonna be a year old in July. And I feel like we've already come so far. And in the next year, I just think there's going to be so much more that we're able to accomplish because of multi-talented people like you. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you. Yeah. So, so what else do you have going on? How are things going for you now? Well, we, I, I was involved also in a bit of this play, um, but you know, once again, the pandemic uh, took, took a hit. Uh, it involved uh, Anton Pagan, uh, he's he's been around wow for uh, like 30, 40 years. He was in Stripes, The Sopranos, Law and Order, El Cantante with Jennifer Lopez and Mark Anthony, and it was a play basically about uh, Don Pedro Albizu Campos, who was 
head of the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party in Puerto Rico back in the early 1900s. And it's basically, uh, it basically just revolves his life his, when he goes on trial and the FBI agents and, and others in his family who were involved in, in what was going on during that time. And uh, it, it's a great, it's a, I think it's a great play, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and it was something that we were going to do uh, in Manhattan at the, uh, at the actor's studio. It was something that-, that Oh, was, nice. Yeah, it was something that was being talked about, but uh, you know, we we it, um, it was about it's about seven of us. Um, forgot the young sister's name, uh, Frances Losada. She's been in a couple of other a uh, couple of things. She played, I believe, Don Pedro's wife, Anton's wife in the in the film. I play an FBI agent who uh, a Puerto Rican FBI agent who is basically spying. Or, or trying to infiltrate, oh, undercover, know, Don Pedro, so to speak. I mean, I really wasn't undercover, but in a sense, um, they kind of put me in there as the. You, I can relate because they're my people, but I'm going uh, in there myself, and I'm arresting, and I and I'm having all this uh, contact uh, with Don Pedro, and and the the drama of, of the play, aside from. Don Pedro's life and everything that he he went through and how much he struggled, twenty over twenty years in prison. The he was tortured while he was in jail. Is the kind of the awakening that the FBI agent has throughout the play. So he's disconnected from the island. So um, you know he he grew up here, goes to Puerto Rico, and he has to you know, be the go between the FBI and Don Pedro's family. And as he is coming in contact with the island and Don Pedro and he, what he's seeing, what is actually happening uh, on the island and to his community, he kind of slowly starts to have a bit of a change of heart as the play goes on. And, um, you know, it, it goes in a certain direction and uh, it, it's, uh, it, it, it ends strong. Um, and uh, I, I don't want to give away, you know, everything that, that happens, you know, of course, but, uh, um, you know, he, he has a little bit of an, of an awakening and, and certain things take place in the play. And it's something that I, I think uh, um, would be good just for the general public, the, yeah. the drama in the play itself and the, in, in the, the awakening that people have. And, and uh, I always like theater. Yeah, I did theater when I, was, when I was young. And because you, you really reach out to the audience, you can feel... The, the connection, yeah, of the audience. You know, you yep. can feel them there. You can you can feel them listening to you and watching. You know, every step, and and uh, it, it kind of draws you in. Yeah, one hundred percent. I love. Yeah. It sounds amazing. It sounds like it talks about politics, history, and identity, which are like three of my favorite subjects possible. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if you're gonna if you're gonna interview me, you're gonna talk to me. Everything is always gonna come always come back around to Puerto Rico. So you just, okay. gotta, you just gotta be prepared because uh, that that that's always you know it always kind of seems to come around to that. But uh, the the play is incredible. Um, we did a we did a, a Zoom uh, you know rehearsal and everything. Uh, it, it's about an hour and a half, so it's not you know it's not too long. Just you know. You know, right when you just maybe you had, you had about enough, you know, the play comes to an end. And uh, I, I think everybody, you know, we did, we did, we had a really good time doing it. Everybody seemed to, to be on board. It's just a matter of now, you know, trying to uh, reintroduce it now, you know, during what's the right time. You know, right. 
yeah. because of the pandemic. Well, the other thing is too, I think a lot of um, people, everything got shut down, you know? So now as we're ramping back up, there's this pent up demand, but there's also this pent up supply of, cre of, cre of um, content. You know, right. there's plays that never got made. There's people wrote new stuff while this was going on, you know? So when yeah. we come back, we're gonna be hopefully in a situation where there's a lot of productions um, and hopefully there's just enough space for all of them. Because I think that the demand and the supply are both gonna be super high. It's just about right. the like means of getting it to the people. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I know that there's, I know right now on Broadway, I believe in September. Yeah, uh, September, you know, I think 14th. Right, it's like a, there's a certain, it's a certain family or a certain group of people that actually control that whole industry there. Mm -hmm. But uh, independent theater, you know, I mean, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's that's kind of like the area that uh, that, that I'm involved in with uh, with Anton. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he, he, they they just had something this recently, this past weekend, but it was a music thing. It was just, it was an outdoor music thing. and. Not, not really much of a play or anything like that, but uh, you know we're, we're hoping to get back on track soon. Hope maybe sometime later this summer. If not, I mean, you know, maybe maybe for next year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really want to try to pursue this this play because it, it, you know I hadn't been in play, involved in a play in, in, since I was you know very very young. <clears throat> Excuse me. And during the reading, it just felt uh, uh, even during the Zoom, which is weird. Uh, um, you you can still you know just among us. I guess within that group, you know, we, we kind of came to life. Everybody, you know, read well and, and, and did their part really good. So hopefully we can do it maybe later this year. Yeah, that's exciting. I think that's great. And it is interesting when you feel that that spark during Zoom. Like mm -hmm. I've attended some events on Zoom and like just some, I mean, not all, some of them are just like your traditional Zoom meetings, but there yeah. are times where you just get swept up in the, you know, in the in the creation that's going on, even though, thank God we have this technology. I mean, we're using Zoom right now to record this. Of course, right, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So what's next? What do you want, so besides the play, you're, I mean, I'm sure you've been really busy with your kids being home. Are they back in school yet? Yeah, <laughs> they're in school. They're in school uh, basically from 9 to uh, 1.30. So it's not actually a full day, but it's, it's close to a full day. Uh, it's it's uh, we've been home uh, most of the most of the pandemic. I had to you know, homeschool myself. So it's, you know, it's been a little bit of a pain. It's been a little bit of a pain because, you know, with the kids, they get easily distracted. You know, I want to go to yeah. the bathroom. Can I get a snack? And, I, you know, I want to get something to eat or, you know, uh, so, it, you know, it can be a little, uh, a little grueling, but the kids really got to get back to school. You know, this, the, the dynamic, they're too comfortable at home and, and they need more structure, you know. And so, socialization. I mean, yeah. I love, like, I think back to that time in my life and I feel like I, my identity started to develop, you know, when I'm meeting people and at school, developing my own interests, hobbies, things like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the kids, once it started to get warm, all the kids started to hang out, come back outside and play. That's good. Oh, so it's like, you know, hey, look, we're outside. Everybody's outside playing with, together and riding their bikes and doing their thing. You know, get them, get them back in the school. But now, you know, the school year's coming to a close. So now they're going to be home again. You know, all those <laughs> We're gonna be stuck with them, you know. You could put them in camp, but camp is eh, same right. thing. Only a couple of hours, and it's you know very expensive. 
So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully the school year come around again and it'll resume, you know, right. the, you know, full day at least. And you get, get them out of the house for, you know, seven hours or something. Now. Yeah. For me, I, you know, my, my, um, sister has two kids. My brother has a kid. Um, has, my sister has two girls. My brother has a boy. Um, and I've just noticed parents have had it the hardest during, I think during quarantine and during, um, you know, this pandemic. So I just want to say that I think it's amazing what a great father you are, how active and involved you are. You also are a great communicator. You're always reaching out to me and setting up time to catch up or to talk about what's next. So I'm excited for things to reopen because I feel like once your kids are back at school, once theaters are start opening, which I think in New York will be in May, uh, now that your kids are back in school and now that theaters are starting to reopen, I think there's nothing but opportunity for you ahead. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, that's early. That's that's kind of what we're hoping. And I, I do have a, a, a book project. Oh, man. <laughs> Never ends. Keep Tell me about that. Yeah, I, I do have a book project I'm working on. So guess what it involves? The Puerto Rico. Oh, boy. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> so, um what initially is uh, I, I attend sessions at the United Nations to decolonize Puerto Rico. So I go and I speak publicly, you know, in front of uh, the world leaders, you know, from Europe and, you know, the Russian Federation, Western Sahara. And, and you can get a chance to voice your opinion about decolonization for Puerto Rico or, or you know, in general. So uh, I, met a, I met a professor there um, from the University of Illinois, uh, Francis Boyle. And he is a, he's an attorney and he's into, he's involved in international law. And he made a speech at the UN at the same time when I was there. Uh, and he discussed how the occupation of the United States in Puerto Rico is illegal. So he's done this around the world. He's done this in, in Eastern European countries and he, he's, uh, he's dealt with these issues. So he made this incredible speech and, uh, and I was like, wow, this guy is, uh, you know, this, this guy's really incredible, this older gentleman. So I, I, uh, so I reached out to him, um, you know, one day and I was like, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so and, and, you know, I was at the United Nations and, and we, you know, I heard your speech and it was incredible and you mentioned that it was a, uh, an illegal occupation. And uh, he apparently has written uh, this book and he basically discusses, the book is basically discussed on how the occupation is illegal and how to basically how to fight it in court. If you wanted to take the, the United States of America to court, this is how you would do it. This is how you would fight it. This is the terminology. This is, this is basically what you, uh, what you would do. So uh, he asked me if I wanted to get involved in this book. And I said, of course, I, you know, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, something that is, is, is part of my, my political activism. So uh, he basically handed it over to me and I'm in the process of, uh, I had it edited and I'm in the process of, of, of trying to get it published. Wow. You know, if, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and like I said, the book it basically breaks down uh, different parts of what the United States has done in the occupation and how it is illegal and how it can be fought in court and, and what you can do in his, you know, his letters and, and um, statements and, and he cites case law. And of course, there's no there's no guarantee of, of winning, you know, in court. You know, it's you know it's always 50-50. but it's something that hasn't been done. 
You know, no one has taken the United States, let's say, to court on its illegal occupation of, of another country, at least as far as I'm aware of. So, um, you know, I think that this book, uh, In the Right Hands, um, can be a victory for us, even if we just take it to court, even if it's just heard in court. It's something that could be introduced and it can set a precedent. You know, but unfortunately, um, it takes a lot of money and a lot of time, you know, to 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 get tied up in the courts and things like that. So that's, you know, that's something that's going to be, you know, a, a little bit difficult. You know, we're going to have to find someone who's willing to, who has this kind of time and 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 funding, let's say, to to ride this out. But uh, it's it's definitely something that uh, I, I'm I hopefully will get out there later this year as well. Right. So you're addressing the um, liberation of Puerto Rico from two perspectives. One is like the educational popular culture, like understanding of why it's bad, but then also the legal framework to address how the annexation of Puerto Rico is illegal. That's really like profound. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. And that's exactly it. You know, I, I do it, um, you know, boots on the ground and, in in, you know, as I, and I speak. And, and then, of course, like you just mentioned, you know, with this book, this, this book will take care of, you know, the academics, you know, the law and, 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 the, and the politics that surrounds it. So, you know, it, it, of course, like anything, I mean, this is something that Don Pedro and, and, and people have been trying to, uh, you know, been uh, trying to do for 120 years. So there's no telling, there's you know that this uh, this will be free, will be free tomorrow, and and, and things right. like that. But it's a step in the right direction. Exactly. And I and I'm actually uh, I'm adding certain things to the book in a sense where I'm, I I want to create an economic plan for the island. So that this way, when people will say, well, how will we function, you know, as you know, on our own away from the United States, because people are you know there's they they can't imagine not right. being affiliated with the United States. And so right. how are we going to work? How's it going to work? What are we going to do? Right. You know, so I'm also developing an economic plan that I'm working with uh, this this uh, this other professor to introduce into the book as well. So wow. this will be the base plan, the basic economic plan so that Puerto Rico can operate on an independent level. It doesn't have to be the actual the plan, right. but it is a plan that is introduced so that people have something tangible. Like a framework. Right. It's how basically it work. exactly. This is how it can work, you know. Once the island becomes an independent nation, you know, it's something that would take over about like ten years. It's right. you know, it's, it's you know, it's not something you know from you know day and night. So Are there uh, other examples. Do you have examples of other places that have been liberated that can serve? Well, the uh, Guam and oh, is it Guam? I'm sorry. It's, uh, there was another neighboring nation that that became property of the United States. Uh, Cuba was also um, was inherited, but they, they became uh, sovereign uh, afterwards. But nobody likes the example of Cuba because uh, you know with the current blockade and things right. like that. But that's that's something else. Um, that's a whole political thing with as far as the blockade, how it's still standing in Cuba today. So, so there's no actual, like I said, as far as I know, an actual framework on how right. to operate. But with the economists that I'm working with. Um, he and I were discussing what can be done. It's, right. it's just options, that right. avenues that 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 the, the government of Puerto Rico can take and things that we'll be able to do. For example, the there's something called the Jones Act in Puerto Rico, 
which basically it costs $500 million. And that 80% of what's consumed in Puerto Rico has to be shipped in. Okay, so that cost the government of Puerto Rico $500 million. Now, Puerto Rico is a tropical island. We can grow anything. There's no reason why we should be importing bananas when we can grow bananas. There's no reason why we should be importing tomatoes. when. So things like that, if, if that was eliminated, that'd be $500 million that would go back into the government of Puerto Rico. And could be used to, to develop more economic- Infrastructure. Right. right. Infrastructure, education, roads, highways, hospitals, mm-hmm. which is something that's sorely needed on the island. Yeah, I know so, that I've been to Puerto Rico once and, I, and that was before Maria. Right. And I know that it's even more need since then. Exactly. So, so these kinds of things, these, you know, these kinds of things, if these things were eliminated, it would allow much more spending to go, you know, back to where it's really needed, back into the communities and, and you know, maybe create a, a, a subway, mm-hmm. you know, that can go from, you know, point A to point B, you know, somewhere throughout the whole island, you know, create a, a, a new sub, a subway route, mm-hmm. you know, create something, you know. So, that's that's also one of the projects that I'm, that I'm currently working on. I kind of have my hands like in a lot of a lot yeah, of pots, all for the island, but in you know in, in in different directions. How did this all come to be? Um, I, I like to use the the the, the film and the acting uh, premise as a springboard for my politics because it's not the message; it's who's giving you the message. Mm. So let's say, for example, like I, I've been at a concert. Uh, I've been to Mark Anthony's concerts, you know, and and at the uh, at Radio City and uh, one time at Madison Square Garden many many years ago. I, I believe it was like New Year's Eve. It must have been about maybe almost twenty years ago. And he sings a song in particular about Puerto Rico and the island. And when he does it, he brings out the Puerto Rican flag, mm-hmm. and everybody gets so emotional, so mm-hmm. wound up, you know. And he does it. Uh, in in order to you know to pump up the audience you know and mm-hmm. and kind of it's kind of like a good closer you know mm-hmm. you, you're super excited about um, you know his, his song and, and and the way you know he's singing it and the flag and the whole patriotism you know and if he were to make a statement like Puerto Rico should be a free nation everybody would get on board even though they have no idea what the politics you know mm-hmm. consist of on the island and things like that. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, the people that have the most influence, you know, unfortunately, they really don't get involved into the politics. You know, it, it kind of, uh, you know, it, it's kind of shaky ground because I remember one time, I believe he and Jennifer Lopez were performing at a concert. And when Hillary Clinton was running for office, she actually came out on stage during their performance. And they kind of held her hand as she came out on stage and she was just out there for just a few seconds or whatever, kind of waved or whatever. And they were that there. So, you know, during that in that form, they're sending a political message. Right. You know, they're saying, you know, not in so many words, we support Hillary because this is when he, you know, she was running against Trump at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, geez, you know, uh, um, they'll, they'll say, you know, they'll support, you know, Hillary Clinton or they don't want to get involved in the politics of the country, but they'll support Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like, but, you know, when you, if they were asked, hey, well, what do you think about Puerto Rico and the current status? Most of the times they kind of threw up their hands and they kind of said, well, I really don't get involved in, in, in the status of the issues of the island, you know, I, you know, because they, they kind of don't want to back the hand that kind of feeds them. Right. You know, which, they don't want to offend anybody. 
Right. Which, we, which I can understand. But I think that what, what some of us fail to see is that whether you know, if you're a celebrity, you're Hispanic, Latino, you know, black, whatever you are, you, you, you become a role model, whether you want to or not. You know, that's how people will perceive you as, you know, and if they see you up there making it, being it, they, they, they have faith in you. They think you know something that they don't know and they look up to you. So I kind of feel like we have that responsibility, you know, to, to make sure that uh, we're looking out for our people and we're looking out for our community and just too, too many of us don't. And, and like I said, if, you know, if I were, be, if I became like the rock, if I became, you know, like, uh, and, and I went on stage and I said this message, everybody would follow, you know, it's like the Pied Piper, you know, you just, you play the right tune and everybody will fall in the line. Yeah, I agree. You know, so I kind of feel like, you know, I, I need to kind of, I don't need to, but I, I believe it's a way to get my message out there as well. Yeah. Get some FaceTime to get some airtime and it's so that people can actually know what's going on because not not many of the, 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 not just our community, but people in general are unaware of what's going on because what's happening out there is not just a Puerto Rico issue, it's a human rights issue. Yeah. So, so I want to try to get that message out there. And if I got to do it, you know, and I think, you know, in front of the cameras is kind of one way to do it. I love that. I think you 100% could be the next rock. Um, <laughs> and uh, I get Jason Momoa a lot. And that's who I get. Who do you get? Jason oh. Momoa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All Aquaman. the time. Aquaman. Aquaman. Yeah. Aquaman. Yeah. That's Aquaman. That's the, that's the, maybe it's the long hair. In the beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, that is such a smart strategy. I love that you have a multi-front, um, you know, kind of strategy that totally is in line with our values in terms of like, just really bringing it all to the table, putting it all on the table and, um, you know, giving it your best shot. So we're gonna do as much as we can to support and promote you and to help get you out there. Thank you so much for being on today. I am really excited for the world to hear about all the great work that you're doing. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure anytime, you know, uh, I'm available. Just let me know, I'll, I'll do anything. Now, my conversation with Tara Nicole Murphy. First of all, thank you so much for joining Tara. It is so great to have you here today. Thank Why? you. Don't you tell me a little bit about how we came to work together? Because I think that's a fun story. Oh, I love the story. Um, um, go ahead. <laughs> uh, you and I took the godmother to the podcast, Tessa Faye's Cold Reading Callbacks class with Ted, another popular name on this podcast. And uh, we had the opportunity to work together on a scene from Bridesmaids and I think that was one of the funnest moments of my life. <laughs> I was in the chat with you like, I have an idea, what if we try this? I have an idea, what if we try that? And you were the same, you were, we had that energy. It was great, I was so excited. Oh and then God, we- I love that scene. Love that scene so much. Um, and we just nailed it, like killed the scene. And then a couple months later, we were doing live theater auditions for a Peter Pan show. And I was me and a complete fool on my feet and it was great. 
And you were like, um, I think I need to sign you. <laughs> I said, uh, I think that's amazing. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna lie, as a child who's like, I want to be a Broadway performer, I was like, oh my God, I just wish I could be discovered in the grocery store. <laughs> Cameron Diaz or whoever. Like, I was like, please, God, please. So like, you made my dream come true. Oh, thank you. Oh God, I should have done it sooner. You know, I was still getting like set up and I was still, um, you know, st- taking meetings. I should have reached out to you sooner. Um, and I'm so happy that I did after that SME performance. So like a quick story about me. When I was studying abroad in Siberia, mm-hmm. I watched Hook with in, in Russia and it just gave me all these nostalgic feelings. And I was a junior in college and I had this idea that when we went back for senior year, all of my friends should be the cast of Hook. And we had like 20 people that did it. And we all like rolled into the bar. But my best friend, Emily, played Smee and she glued, she glued white hair to her face. And when you did Smee, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I was dying. It was like the best me ever. I loved oh. it. It was such a cool rendition. You're Thanks. such a talented performer. And I mean, I know you're a stage performer. What's your experience been like, you know, through COVID? Oh, through COVID. Um, COVID's been interesting, like having that time off because I'm one of those people that you put me in a job and I work really hard at it. So if I'm doing a survival job, you know, and I'm just working, I, I, I don't always get the time off or the amount of money I need to take the classes I want. So COVID has been the perfect time to take all these online classes and really kind of own myself, body and soul as an actress, even if it is on Zoom and like really get to play and find those, those moments. So coming out of it, I'm more confident and ready for auditions and feeling even like if I get a rejection, recovering from that faster, mm-hmm. you know, because it doesn't feel like the stakes are so high. Mm-hmm. And I understand that it's not about my talent. It's about how I fit in the puzzle, which mm-hmm. you can hear logically, obviously, and be like, oh, I get that. But then like applying it is such a different story. So I'm coming out of that with that kind of mentality. And that's really, I feel like all I could ask for. I'm very, very grateful. That's such a silver lining. I'm so glad Mm -hmm. you can see it that way. I think it's, you know, the rejection is just part of the game, um, you know, and it's not personal ever. Um, And a lot of times it's a joint decision too. You know, it's not like one person is making this decision. It's like, there's a team that's making it and they're making it on behalf of a team. It's like any other, I guess, industry, but that's a really a great silver lining. I love hearing that. What, um, You know, I'm going to touch on something else during COVID. There's been a lot of really politically charged movements and just these moments of police shootings and these moments of activism. And I've noticed that you've been active on that, on your social media. How do you find that that's impacting your life or your art? That's a great question. I feel like it's impacting my life. I don't, I don't feel like it's impacting my life any more or less than, than normal. I know that sounds stupid, but like I was raised in a majority uh, black and brown neighborhood. 
Where? And so in Mount Healthy, Ohio. Oh, I love Ohio. I was just right. in Ohio. I know. I was so jealous. I almost asked you to bring me some Skyline. <laughs> but, I love um, Ohio. So Mount Healthy, Ohio is a suburb of Cincinnati. And I grew up in like in sixth grade. My best friends were Shaquita, Narissa, Danielle, and Tamika. I hung out with them. We did the talent show together. Oh and I wish I could see it. Is there oh, my God. I still remember the dance. It was bounce, bounce, pot of beret, bounce, bounce, pot of beret for all of um, and you'll always be my baby. Oh, Mariah. I love yep. Mariah. Uh, it was such a, such a weird time in my life. Uh, I love that. That's <laughs> That sounds like a scene out of Mean Girls. Like oh, I wish. Like somebody's going to do a pot of beret and like kick a boombox into somebody's face. Oh my gosh. And we had the boombox then. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that of was, course. That was, the that was rehearsal, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were, everybody I went to high school with, um, I'm so grateful for. I feel like they let me ask questions. They showed me a side of life that I would not see had I had any other br- upbringing. You know, like, I just feel like, I feel like they were willing to tell me because I was willing to listen. And, and I just, I feel like from a young age, I understood there was a difference between people with my skin color and people with other skin color and just being an empathetic being. I, I think in terms of like career and life, I would much rather like lose a good friend of 10 years, which this actually happened, lose a friend of 10 years over 2000 people. I don't know because it's the, Oh, what's that train theory where it's like you either kill your mom or you kill like a bus of 500 children. Well, I can't think of a theory name, but it's kind of like that. And like, sorry, mom, for the greater good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would never kill my mom. I'm not homicidal. (laughs) But um, yeah, that's just kind of how I've always seen life. And I still have a lot to unlearn and a lot to understand about the systems and things. But I, I, I feel like anything worth doing is worth the risk of losing. So um, if I say, for example, right now, the Actors' Equity um, and the March for Broadway, you know, wanting equal rights for Black, Brown, Indigenous, Disabled, um, Trans and LGBTQIA, like having all those protections in order. I'm not part of the union right now, but I go, why would I want to be part of something if they're not going to protect the people that I care about? Mm-hmm. The people who I think have an amazing voice, an amazing um, perspective that we, excuse me, have not seen because of all the whitewashing that happens in this community. Right. And so I just, uh, I just feel like there's too many options. There's too many ways to create your own art. There's too many places to go. There's too many other venues to create art that necessarily Broadway and AEA isn't necessarily it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, I think you can do anything stage, screen. What are you hoping to do after this? Do you want, are you going to be like a jack of all trades? I hope so. <laughs> I would love to have a career kind of like Kristen Chenoweth meets uh, Elizabeth Moss meets little Melissa McCarthy. You know what I mean? Like I want to do the stage. I want to do the screen. I want to do the small screen. I want to do comedy. I want to do serious work. So I just well, kind of the chop. Thank you. I mean, I just, I just want to do it all. I've always been that way. And so what types of either projects are you seeing or maybe even just art that you're seeing out there that has been interesting or, um, well, Ted, my acting coach, Ted Wald, who has been mentioned on this podcast before, 
Uh, he gave me a scene from It's a Sin, that new uh, Netflix show. Netflix. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it has this killer monologue. I won't give anyway, anything away, but um, he was like, I think having a sense of justice really does you. And I was like, oh my God, why did I not know that about myself? Of course it does, you know? And it's really, it's really interesting because I asked a friend in college. Um, I grew up in the church, in the United Methodist Church. And just with all the abuses that the church has given society and people of the LGBTQIA plus community, I just, I don't recognize re uh, organized religion like that anymore. Although I am still spiritual, I still believe in God. Um, but in, in college, it was a struggle. Like, how can I, how can I be a good force in the world, be what God has created me to be, and then still be an actress? Like, how can I balance that? And I had a friend, God bless Maurice, who was like, escapism is just as important as the justice part. So the balance between having the roles that have you, you know, fighting for justice and really letting that happen and having the roles that just let you have fun and give people like levity for a moment is mm -hmm. so important. And I think that's the, that's the draw is like, I just, that's why I want to do everything. I love that. You know, I, I feel very similarly. I have Variato to try and do my piece to give back and to help others and to um, advocate um, for people like you, talented people um, that can do lots of different things. Um, and then I have Sancerre, Eclair, my drag persona <laughs> for that levity, that camp for not taking mm -hmm. myself too seriously, you know, because yeah. I think Luis, you know, president of Ariado can sometimes, you know, get a little ahead of himself. But um, the Sancerre, she's, she's always just the salt of the earth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Head in the clouds, feet on the ground. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And, and that's something to be able to offer to the rest of the world, you know? You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Ted, seeing you. I know. I know. And he surprises me all the time. I've known this man for three and a half years or so now. I'm going to have to have him on the podcast. Oh, oh, my gosh. Otherwise, people should do like a game where every time they hear Ted's name, you know, they do something <laughs> to celebrate. Donate to the LGBTQ. <laughs> <laughs> the charity of your choice. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Five dollars of ten. Ten, 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 ten. Yeah. No, it's it. He he's such a great teacher because he also has that empathy. He also mm -hmm. understands. You know, I feel like a lot of people in the business, um, especially previously, have looked at body types. Have looked at. Um, race have looked at all these things and put people in boxes and I never felt like Ted put me in a box I never felt like um, there was an expectation other than for me to bring my a-game do my best you know know, know the words to my script uh, and and that's been a freeing experience that like and this is also Meisner technique as well but like everything you are goes into it so you know, you, you are free to do you. Yeah, amazing. Oh my God. I love hearing that. I think that is the vibe that I jive with too, because I think, you know, especially now exploring my own 
career and how I can help others, you know, I am having to really think about my own experiences as a person and what I can bring, you know, and I see that in you and I feel that in you, in your performances, in your advocacy, just in your presence as a human being. And I love that about you. And I think that that is a trait that the whole world can emulate because it, it it's a very yes and nature to me. You seem like somebody who is so collaborative and, and so, and shows up 100, which I just love and I appreciate. So anybody that's listening, if you, are looking to hire a star and a professional. This is this is the the woman you should go with. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> I feel like I should like make it rain my business cards or something. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> well, you know, we're gonna have a get together. I think I want to do a Variato get together in Central Park to meet yes. everybody in person. And now that like the new CDC guidelines just came out, I feel like we can do a really nice like afternoon just to like get to know everybody so they can come up and meet me because I have literally never met besides Chris Russell everyone basically everyone that's and my mom I've never (laughs) met anyone in person I hope you met your mom in person that's my god well I know I've seen her for Mother's Day too which is oh yeah is she in the city as well she lives just north of the city in Poughkeepsie She, she moved up there to um, develop, um, I know this much is true, she was there for the filming. She did all the on-location casting. Brilliant. I know, it was so fun. Actually, one of the like big moments to me starting Variato was the open call for that show. Oh. I was working the door and deciding who met with who and it was so fun and exhilarating and I just like loved it. And You're like, how do I continue this? Yeah, this well, I, you know, I worked for her when I was in grad school years ago. And so then, but like then, yeah, doing this. And anyway, I'm making this way too much fun. Let's talk about it. No, you're good, you're good. <laughs> um, so what are you looking forward to? What else are you looking forward to? I mean, the weather's starting oh. to warm up. Yeah, although I, as you can see, I'm very pale. Oh, so son and okay. I are not not good friends. <laughs> Big hats. Big, Big hats. Hat. I'm gonna have to invest in hats. I've been trying to do the sunscreen thing, you know. But oh yeah, I do. I, I I do a lot of sunscreen too. Yeah, I've never been good at it, which is stupid because my father actually died of melanoma skin cancer. Oh, so I'm so sorry. I, yeah, I was nine months old, so I didn't really know what was happening. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, actually, my my uh, my my child, my early years are kind of tragic. <laughs> I say laughingly. Um, well, but- you know what? That is something, you know, I lost my father. It's going to be seven years this year. And oh, I'm sorry. Um, you know what? I I can cry on command now. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe right. I should be an actor. <laughs> you know, like grief and just like, that experience, yeah. it adds depth to your life and it's yeah. tough. But once you make it through, I'm so sorry, Tara. I did not know that. Yeah, no, it was, it was, um, I think, I, I totally believe everything kind of happens for a reason, whether or not you call that fate, whatever you call it. I always yeah. feel like there's a lesson to be learned, you know, or something. And I think, you know, 
having a mother who was so, uh, so integral to making sure that I did what I wanted to do, like dance classes and singing and like made sure I had an education was, you know, really there for me. Like, I think she needed me and I needed her in some symbiotic way that we don't quite understand. That might've been uh, more convoluted had I had siblings or a father or whatever. So, (laughs) or whatever, I'm so flippant about it. But it happens when I'm so young, I don't have emotions tied to it. Right, right. I was thinking, I was wondering, you said it with such, you know, emotional levit balance yeah but I also I think it gave me a weird connection to death in a way like I don't Mm -hmm. fear death I don't like it's sad when people leave and because they've died but I don't feel like it's end yeah I hear that have you seen Nomadland no I haven't seen it yet oh my god okay Okay. once you see it you have to call me and tell me everything because (laughs) That is, I'll just say, that's part of it, you know? And I think that's, that's the, I hope I didn't just ruin it for everybody, by the way. I'm going to probably leave this part in. (laughs) Um, It's an amazing, beautiful movie. I'm not really ruining anything. Um, It's, it's, uh, but yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, I have a different viewpoint on it. Um, after losing my dad too. Um, but you, you, I think you gain a, a, an appreciation for life too. Like my grandparents are in their eighties. They both, you know, live through, um, um, COVID now and I am going to see them this weekend. And you know what I mean? I just cannot even believe it. We've all been vaccinated. We're all going to be at my sister's. It's just like, what a dream. It's amazing. I'm very Is there excited. anything you want to say that we haven't gotten out yeah dry run the audiobook podcast is coming out soon i have a a little moment in that and also you can check out how do you sleep at night podcast rogue waves podcast um then other than that there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that i'm not sure i can talk about <laughs> but, okay but uh, when you can we will here to the ground yeah you can follow me at tara nicole murphy on ig uh, the same is also for Facebook, but not as active on that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> That's okay. You know, they make it really easy now to link your accounts, especially you should have, and this goes for anybody that works with me, you should have creator accounts, you get business insights, and you can link your account, your Facebook account, which should be a fan page, hopefully, so that you can post between Instagram and Facebook. Okay, I'll, I should do that. Check it out. On my long to-do list right here. I'll just... Okay, good. <laughs> you are such a gem of a human being. I love working with you. Um, but I do appreciate you being on the pod today. Thanks for having me. Thank both of these performers for sharing their stories and for working so closely with Variato. I learn so much from everyone that I work with, and we are so thrilled to have them as part of our team. Again, if you're interested to learn more about the causes that they support, please follow them on Instagram or be in touch to learn how you can partner with them directly. To sharing more stories about the humans behind entertainment from Variado Talent, I'm Luis Lizarazzo. See you next time.